Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of The Breakthrough Maze. My name is Joe Applebaum, and what I do here is I speak to entrepreneurs that are looking to create more power, more freedom, and more self-expression in their life. Welcome to the program. Hi, Danny. How are you? Hi, Joe. So thanks so much. I, I read your book, She Running. I thought it was fabulous. I need to read it several more times because there's so many details there that I couldn't get in one read. There's a lot of really great content. I went for a run today and I was explaining to somebody, you know, body sensing and the mid strike and breathing and leaning. And he was like, oh my God, there's so many details. Well, you know, if you, if you really want to change how you move your body, you got to pay attention. You got to know what you're supposed to be doing. You got to know what's feeling right and what, not going to work you know i mean all those things add up but it you know works it's for people if you want to put the time in that really helps what being mindful is about it's like tai chi almost right but you're doing tai chi in a form of running it's all the principles all the basics the things that make tai chi a really great martial art are all contained in in chi running because i've spent 20 years learning tai chi and so transferring that into running it's uh, there are some differences than pure Tai Chi, but all of the reasons why Tai Chi is great are totally contained in the technique. Yeah. Cool. And if somebody tells you, Hey, I'm not, I'm not a runner. I don't run. Yeah. What do you say to a person like that? If they believe that they're not a runner? Well, what I tell them is how many legs do you have? And they usually answer two. And I say, do they work? And, I, and they say, yes. I say that you're a runner. You can be a runner. <laughs> You got two legs and they work, you can be a runner. If you have two legs and they work, you can be a runner. But what if somebody's like, I really, really just don't enjoy running? What do you tell a person like that? I first, I'd ask them why they don't enjoy running. But if they say, well, it's boring or just I get out of breath too easy or, you know, there's always some major reason. Then I just say, well, what if I could show you how to run in a way that you actually felt better when you were done than when you started? And that usually starts getting their ear (laughs) you know and um i have coached so many triathletes that say i love triathlons but i hate running i only do it because i like triathlons and if you can get me to like even like running you know uh you'll be doing the world a favor (laughs) and i end up with those people running ends up being their favorite event and so, really? yeah, I can definitely teach people who hate running or definitely people who, uh, you know, don't think they can be a runner. That that has never even slowed me down. Most people don't consider themselves runners, like in general, right? Most of the population yeah. are living a sedative life. They're just sitting around watching Netflix, yeah. whatever it is. Um, and the few people who do exercise you know, compared to everybody else, um, most of them are just not not don't consider themselves runners or wouldn't want to be a runner because they believe that running is so hard. So if they can just learn the techniques that you teach in your book, I mean, I wish I had those techniques when I started. I remember I felt like I started when I was 265 pounds, which is much heavier than I am today. I lost 95 pounds and running was the catalyst for all that. Right. Because I was super, super overweight and starting, starting to run. But I remember I would run like, quarter of a mile and I felt like I was going to die. I also oh, yeah. was carrying a lot of weight. Sure. 
but I legitimately had that fear that I was going to die. Oh yeah, for sure. It feels like your heart's going to break out of your chest. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. But you know, for, for people like that, I always say, well, at least start walking, you know, get to where you walk and you feel comfortable and you can run. We have this whole same technique set up for walkers and you learn how to move your body, learn how to work with your posture, how to relax certain muscles that you might be way overusing now. And um, and then once you feel comfortable you, or you've lost a little weight, try, you know, running for a block instead of, you know, jogging for a block in the middle of a four mile walk, you know? So, yeah. you know, get, it's, it's gradual. One of the principles of Tai Chi that I use frequently is uh, a principle called gradual progress. And it's throughout Tai Chi is that you don't jump right into anything. You start small and grow from there. So if somebody says they can't run, they're not a runner, they're overweight, whatever it is, the biggest, the hardest thing for people to do is to realize they need to start where they're at. You know, (laughs) they want to start with a marathon in three months, you know, well, forget about it. That's not going to work. No. Go for for a, go for one mile. Try to do one mile first. Try to, try to make your long-term goal. Yeah. A block. Yeah. When I started running, I would run for a block and I walked. I I try to get my kids. I, I, I try to get my kids to run with me and none of them want to run. I have five children and none of them want to run. What do yeah. you say to a father that wants his kids to run? I run every day, like, you know, three miles every single day. I do it happily. Yeah. It makes me very, very happy to do that. Some yeah. days it's harder. Some days it's easier. But my kids just absolutely don't want to run. So what do you – and some of them want to want to work out, but they just they – don't, they don't even want to – some of them tell me, oh, I'm just lazy. I don't want to do it. You know, like, they're just not into it. So what do you yeah. – what do you well, say to somebody? Well, two things you can do. Two things you can either bribe them <laughs> into right. trying it at least or lower your expectations and that's usually right. the best cure because then you don't go around angry at your kids because they won't work out they're just being who they are you know right. it's your expectations that could end up ruining your relationship with your kids but if yeah. you drop your expectations and say you know what i don't care if you run or not feel like it you can go out go for a block with me and turn around and come home i'm going to keep going you know, there's so many ways you can make it so low pressure that they actually get more drawn to it because you're not driving it down their throat. I mean, I have a daughter who doesn't run it here. I've, that's all I've done my whole life. And she goes, that's so boring, you know. And so so I take her on, you know, I ask her if she wants to go for a run sometimes. And we go for a place that we can do other stuff besides running in the middle of the run. We'll jump wow. in a stream and, you know, and get wet or we'll go uh, explore and do something or we'll go. There's all kinds of ways you can make it fun. That's another alternative, you know. Let's run to get an ice cream cone. Oh, okay, I'll do that. <laughs> you wow. know, you know, there's so, so you got to, you know, reduce the expectations that it has to be running per se, but yeah. it has to be fun per se. Yeah. Yeah. It has to be something they're interested in something fun, but I love the reduce the expectations. That's really good advice. Um, In terms of like for entrepreneurs, I coach and I mentor and I guide and I speak to a lot of groups of entrepreneurs. How is running helping an entrepreneur? You've helped hundreds of thousands of people run specifically entrepreneurs, which is a very small percentage of the population. How does that increase their performance? 
Well, it increases their performance because of what I'm teaching them. It's, it has very little to do with the running. It has to do with the principles they they you learn from doing chi running, which I again I said were based in Tai Chi. Okay, so let's say you're an entrepreneur and you want to come up with a business plan. Okay, well that principle I just mentioned about gradual progress. You don't just go out and get two million dollars in investment and jump into a full-on business. You know you have to take the time to know your market. You got to take the time to know your competitors. Uh, you know, who are the people you're working with? How do you want to work? It's really thinking that stuff out really thoroughly. But you learn the same thing through chi running. So I'll give you an example straight across the board. When somebody comes to me and wants to learn, um, let's say, how to run a marathon, right? Okay, they've never run a marathon before, but they want to run one. It's their bucket list. And I say, okay, well, let's, let's start where we're at, okay? So we start gradually, and I have them do various uh skills to get better at their technique okay now those same skills are they realize that after a while what i'm teaching them is how to not only build their own self-confidence for when they can use it during the event but also the actual technique of responding in the moment to what the requirements are during any given event and that transfers right over to a business plan or an entrepreneur because you want to be able to be light on your feet if you're an entrepreneur you need to adjust mm. all the time but you need to know your vision so that when you adjust your adjustment always moves towards that vision okay mm -hmm. and there and you're not making stupid choices because you know there are wow. plenty of entrepreneurs that go belly up because they just get too much ego in there they want to have it happen too fast they want to command everything they're a control freak i mean you know just because you're an entrepreneur doesn't mean you're going to be successful but right. if you follow certain rules of being an entrepreneur which is really listening carefully to your environment so you can respond well and the environment in a business thing is listening to the environment is knowing your competition, knowing your partners, knowing what's around you and how are you going to work with that? You know, what yeah. do you want? And you draw on your vision to realize, well, here's what I want and here's what I won't settle for. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Because I want to be moving forward, not just one step forward and three steps back. Yeah. But that's, and then you, you know, with training for a marathon, you learn to build endurance. You, you learn mm -hmm. how to stay with something over a long period of time. Well, plenty of entrepreneurs give up too soon before they've actually seen some success. And, you know, that, that ability to just stick with it, stay with the plan, you know, have a vision, come up with a plan, stick with the plan. There's no different in running a marathon, training for a marathon than it is starting a business. What about breaking that barrier? Like, you know, there you hit a wall, right? There's always a wall. Do you yeah. hit a wall with chi running? Do you still hit the wall, but you're able to kind of get through it with body sensing? Well, there's all kinds of different walls to hit. You know, when I first started chi running, breaking the barrier to me was teaching people how to run differently. When we came out 20 years ago, it was all power running, big muscles. If you weren't a high school runner, forget about it. You'll never be one. And I was up against that. I was showing people a different way to run. And even Runner's World totally panned the idea. And so I had pushback from day one, but I was able to hang in there by creating 
my business to be seen as very unique. And the people that it was unique to were people who didn't want to get hurt, but wanted to perform better. Okay, so I created my business into being successful in the midst of an incredible amount of industry pushback. Now, when, I, when you talk about, you know, um, what can I do in the moment in run? Absolutely, I can read the terrain. I can tell how my body feels. If it's feeling tired, I can change my technique to where I'm not exerting as much. That means backing off on my speed, maybe relaxing some tension I'm holding in my body. There's a million things you can do to actually alter your experience in the moment. But it takes knowing how to learn, learn that bag of tricks so that you've got them with you all the time. But that means practicing that bag of tricks all the time. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. one thing with Chi Running is I have people practice these little tiny things all the time. How do you hold your arms? How do you relax your neck? How do you keep your eyes focused? How do you breathe? You know, so they practice those little skills and that starts building their toolbox. So that whatever comes up, man, you got a tool to respond with. So at what point do you say, I know all the bags of tricks I know everything that I need to know, and now I'm good to go. Or is there a continuous learning, continuous um, growing in the world of running? Or do you get to a place you're like, I just know how to run now, and I got this? Never get there. Forget about it. You know, if you think you know it all, that, then you start going downhill. Right. <laughs> Once you stop learning, you stop moving forward. You know? I am still refining this whole process after 20 years. I go out on, I, I went on a run this morning and I learned something new, you know? So, How long do you run for? Do you run for time or for distance? Uh, usually for time and kind okay. of like distance is in the back of my head, but it's really for time. If I have an hour to run, I'll take an hour. I have a long run on Sundays. It's usually anywhere from eight to 13 miles, but it's really all for time. And you would do that so in I, an hour, I, an hour or two hours? Yeah, sometimes, like last, like Sunday, I went out for a long run with some friends of mine. We did 9.2 miles, took us four hours. Oh, but wow. it's because it we slow. went in very, very steep terrain and we couldn't possibly run through all of it. So we had to walk some, which was fine because we like taking in the scenery. You know, I live in North Carolina and it is, you know, so gorgeous here, and uh, yeah, it's very the outdoors nice. is a pretty amazing place. So if we have to slow down to walk. I am totally cool with that. <laughs> you know, in terms of in terms of the exercise portion of it, um, what yeah. do you recommend a busy entrepreneur do in terms of time? Do you recommend twenty minutes a day, or is it or is it a certain amount of miles? Like, what do you what do you recommend? Yeah, I don't recommend do? miles if it's. Okay. Uh, the the main thing to go for is consistency. Regardless okay. of how much time you have to do it, consistency is important. So I recommend that you run anywhere from three to five days a week. I don't recommend you run more than five days a week, but three to five. And then just like any life coach would say, you sit down with an entrepreneur and you just ask them the questions that they answer to come up with the best program for themselves. So I would sit down with an entrepreneur and I'd say, Okay, so how many days a week could you put in, let's say, half hour of exercise, you know? And they right. go, well, yeah, no, realistically, four. And I go, okay, so you got four days. Uh, which four days of the week work best for you? I just keep drilling down, you know, which four days. Okay, so what time of day 
of those four days can you guarantee that you will get it done in the midst of your busy entrepreneur schedule and then you know just keep drilling down until they go okay we've got it i'm doing it monday wednesday friday and sunday monday and tuesday i'm doing 30 minutes flat you know the other three days one i'm doing fast one i'm doing long and you just get it and and they can't not do it because you sat down and went through their whole schedule to find holes in it where that could absolutely happen you know what i mean so yeah. and it's from them you, not you from believe you yeah you if, and if they come up with it they're going to be committed to doing it absolutely yeah totally. do you believe in hit running in in like running for 30 seconds as fast as you can and then slowing down for like a minute or two and then running as fast as you can for 30 seconds and then slowing down if you're if you're running form and your body can sustain that i know it's only 30 seconds but hit is fine but i wouldn't i definitely wouldn't do it i don't know more than once a week mm. I, I mean i'm not sure why you would want to do it for first of all well to lose weight why maybe you want to do hit what's that maybe to lose more weight ah change how you eat right. you know you're, you're <laughs> right you're not going to be able to run out your bad diet no, 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 no. Because if you injure yourself running and you're doing these hit workouts to lose weight and you get injured, then you're where are you at? You know, you're stuck with the weight. So let's talk Change about diet because I don't think I don't really think much. you cover I don't think you cover much diet in the book, from what I remember. Towards um, the end they're just kind of rough yeah. recommendations. What do you what do you recommend uh a, what's a runner's diet, the best runner's diet? I don't know. I'm I'm on a runner's I'm my own kind of diet that I've just kind of settled into, and it's uh, pretty much the paleo diet. Mm. I don't eat a lot of carbs, and what I, carbs I do eat, they're mostly in fruits, and um, but I also don't eat a lot of meat. Um, mm -hmm. But I, you know, I try to focus on less carbohydrates, a little more on the protein side. So you'll eat so, you'll eat like uh, like fish, like chicken. Fish, tofu, chicken occasionally, beef rarely but occasionally, and um, I eat a lot of nuts, a lot of nuts and nut butters. Nuts like and peanut butter and cashews. And peanut butter, things. almond butter, tahini, um, you know, uh, and lots of nuts that have fats in them. So that's where I get mm -hmm. my fat. I don't get my fat from animal fat. I get my fat from nuts and oils. Okay. And that seems to work really well for me. I haven't, I haven't found any problems with it. And I don't what feel if, hungry all the time. What about intermittent and, fasting? What about intermittent fasting? Is that something that you recommend for yeah, runners? Absolutely. It's really nice to do intermittent fasting because uh, it really, <clears throat> it rests your body. Most people don't think of fasting as resting your body, but you know, if you eat you know, three meals a day, which I don't recommend, <laughs> you eat three meals a day, your body's pretty much digesting all the time. And that's a lot of energy going into digestion, you know? If like, so, so I do intermittent fasting for me is like, I never eat before I run. I don't care how long wow. I'm running. I don't eat before I run. I just don't. Um, and I, I have my diet to where I eat um, usually a pretty small breakfast and then um, a meal at about 5.30 and that's it. Wow. That's it. 
you know. And you're not um, snacking in between with nuts? Um, I do snack with nuts and occasionally a piece of fruit, you know. Mm. Just if I get hungry, if I've done a really long run the day before, I'm usually hungry the next day, so I'm refueling yeah. my body. But, uh, but you but never I go crazy and start eating churros, cheeseburgers, pizzas, donuts, all that garbage. Never, never. Uh-uh. No, and I, I eat pretty cleanly. I eat mostly what about organic. alcohol? What about alcohol and drugs? Do you um, stay away from that I, or do you enjoy it once in a while? I enjoy it once in a while. In fact, I have a glass of wine probably, gosh, three times a week. Okay. Just just a glass. I don't have half a bottle. I don't have anything more. I just have a glass. And uh, I don't do many drugs. You know, hit a pot every you now. You don't and believe then, in like ayahuasca and anything like that. Nah, nah. Uh, I don't know why you would do it. I mean, I know people use it for mind opening experience and stuff like that. I got all those yayas out in my college days. <laughs> and, um, and plus, I think there are just more real ways to get there, you know, like meditation, tai chi, meditation, yeah. tai chi, meditation um, some yoga can do it, uh, all kinds of mental focusing exercises, uh, relaxation exercises. There's, there's better ways to get there than with drugs. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. If you have the, if you have the patient and the determination to get there through meditation and through martial arts you can definitely use that yeah to, and it comes with age yeah you know as you older you get the more reasonable you get with you know well what can i do what's possible lots of you people know. are afraid of ruining their knees from running or their ankles yeah. or their joints yeah or their hips uh -huh. what do you say to those people i say it's not running that hurts your body it's the way you run so I've, you know, I mean, I've been running for God. Let's see, I started in 1971. So 59 years, <laughs> you know, something like that. I don't know, 49 or, you know, it's a long time. And my knees are fine. My back is fine. My joints are fine. Everything's good. And I've run over 100,000 miles. So that what is different with this picture? You know, it's how I run. And so I, you know, I, the people I ran with on Sunday, this this really intense trail run, you know, I was twice the age of some of the people in the group, you know, mm -hmm. and it uh, doesn't affect me. You know, I, I, it's how I run. It's how you, it's your relationship to the ground. It's your relationship to how you move your body that determines how much impact you encounter every step you take. So injuries, just so everybody in your podcast knows, you know, injuries only happen one of two ways, generally speaking. That's either overexertion or impact. Okay. Mm. You're working your muscles too hard, so your muscles get pulled, jerked, yanked. So it's a muscular injury. If you have too much impact, it's a joint injury because you're hitting mm -hmm. bones, you know. And so you have to be careful about both of those. You can't work too hard and you can't land too hard. So how do you work your technique to where you're not always pushing yourself around the earth with your legs? And how do you work your technique to where you're not landing very hard at all, but running more, you're running along the surface of the earth, over the surface of the earth, instead of uh, running yourself into the ground, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And there are ways you can learn to just, 
move differently across the earth where you're not pushing so hard here. And chi running really relies much more on the pull of gravity than anything. So it's right, really I read that. I read that when you lean forward, you're basically an external just... force. Yeah, yeah. an external force keeps you from using your own force, right? So if you're falling into the pull of gravity, you're always falling forward. What's wrong with that? You know, there, that's a free ride. Okay. And you just got to make sure that you're, when your feet land and hit the ground, they don't hit very far in front of your body because the further they hit in front of your body, the more you're putting the brakes on <laughs> with every stride. So there are people who run very upright. And when you run upright, you are, uh, you know, you have to follow the laws of physics. If you run upright, the only thing that's going to move you forward is pushing with your legs because your center of mass mm. is directly over your point of contact with the earth. Okay, so you have to push with one leg. And if you're pushing off with one leg and you're running upright, your other leg has to land in front of your center of mass, and that creates a deceleration, a braking. So, so it's like, you know, I live in a, a neighborhood near me that's all retired people. And how many times you've been driving down the road and you see a car with this old guy in it and he's, the brake lights are on and he's pulling away from a stop sign. You know, it's got mm -hmm. the gas and the brake on at the same time. You're going, oh my God, that is like so inefficient. You know? Yeah. Well, people run that way. They run pushing with one leg and stopping with the other. And then they push with that leg and stop with the other leg. And it's no wonder they're afraid to run because they'll get hurt because they will <laughs> running that way. So it's not running, like I said, that hurts your body. It's the way you run. And you've got to change that or you'll probably get hurt. Do you have, you mentioned that you have over 100 trainers that you've trained in the Chi Running uh -huh. Technique that are out there training people. Yeah. Um, what do you teach them? When, during the teacher instructor training courses, you mean? Yeah. Well, I... You know, first of all, it takes somebody who's been doing chi running for a little while before they can get into the instructor training program. And then when they do, um, I teach them uh, really thoroughly how chi running works and why it works so they can turn around and explain it to other people. And then I teach them what to watch for in other people and how to mm -hmm. respond to questions just like you've been asking me. You know, uh, how do you respond to somebody who says, well, I'm afraid of running or I'll never be a runner or I'm afraid of my knees or whatever. How do you respond to those people in a way that really excites them about getting past what they perceive to be their barrier? You know, mm -hmm. and um, so I, I teach them. It's a very thorough program. <laughs> you know, people make it through chi running uh, instructor training are so well versed in all aspects of chi running and uh, doesn't mean they're going to go out and be a, you know a high school running coach it just means right. that they can show people how to run in a way it doesn't hurt their body and they can still run faster easier injury free what do you think of running well, of, of stretching after running what's your take on that do you think it's necessary or if you're running properly you don't need to do that Yes, if you're running properly, you don't need to because, um, you know, the reason why people stretch after they run is because they have tight muscles, right? Their muscles yeah. are somehow tightened up while they're running. Well, if your muscles get tight when you're running. You got to think about why that's what causes that. So you're holding tension somewhere 
or you're using some muscle too much, right? So you're yeah. either using some of your leg muscles too much for propulsion, you might be holding tension in your shoulders, you might be running so upright that your legs just have to work really hard and then they start getting tired and they start getting, you know, restricted in their motion. So, um, so then you have to stretch afterwards. But if you run in a way where every step you take from beginning to end is always guided by the principle that you're always trying to align your body, but relax the moving parts. You want to keep your posture line really good because that strengthens the right muscles, your core. And you want to keep every, all the moving parts really, really relaxed because that allows your arms to swing freely. It allows your legs to swing freely. There's no uh, disruption in that flow. If there is any disruption in flow, you'll need to stretch afterwards. Mm -hmm. so, so people I, that I, run I'm holding their phones... People yeah. that run holding their phones is not good because they're they have a strain the whole time on their hand because they're holding their phone tightly. Exactly, exactly. It's like people that carry a water bottle in their hand, you know. Um, not that, it, that's going to cause an injury. How you move? Yeah, it's an asymmetrical thing because, and any time you run asymmetrically, one side of your body is working harder than the other. Well, not only that, but the other side has to adjust to the part that's not working as well because it's carrying something. You know what I mean? So your whole body goes asymmetrical and then your muscles are used, you know, and not in an equal way. You know? mm. So think of like, think of like animals you get, now. Yeah. yeah, when you start studying the movement of the human body, you realize we're a symmetrical animal, you know? And so you, it, the law requires, <laughs> laws of movement require that you need to move in a very symmetrical way. And if you look at all the animals, the fastest animals in the world are not the most muscular animals in the world, but they like are cheetah. the most relaxed animals in the world. Yes, the cheetah goes that fast out of relaxation. Look at Usain Bolt. Look at the Kenyans. They're the most relaxed runners out there. Those guys are like, they make it look easy. It's because it is. And they're very good at relaxing. And when you relax, you have much wider range of motion. Your blood circulates much easier. You breathe less. Uh, just everything happens when you relax. And so, you know, there's... So when you're running, you're, when you're running, you're actually relaxing. You're actually taking oh, yeah. a break. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That's why Are I you run. not breathing heavy? <laughs> Are you not breathing heavy when you're no, running? No. Is it not like... You're not panting? No, no, not at all. Uh, in fact, I... I exercise, there's, there's a friend of mine that started a whole program called The Oxygen Advantage. It's a book, great book. I highly recommend it. It's How to Breathe. And he really is a big proponent of nose breathing and belly breathing. And so if I breathe that way when I'm running, I, I breathe, you know, I run with my mouth shut. You know, I only breathe in through my nose. And if I'm all out sprinting, yes, I'll breathe through my mouth. But how often do I do that, you know? For most yeah. of my running, I run with my mouth shut. Well, what that does is that it sends more air deeper into my lungs. And then if I'm also belly breathing, then that, that air going down deep into my belly is really feeding the deeper capillary beds in my lungs. And I have better oxygen exchange and I don't need as much oxygen. So I don't breathe as hard. 
but that's mm. a breathing technique. So, you know, um, you don't breathe just breathe less if you're in good shape. <laughs> you, don't just, you know, people think, well, if I get in good shape, I'll breathe better. No, you could be in super shape and still breathe like a freight train, but you have to learn how to breathe correctly. And then you don't breathe so hard. So breathing is one of the four components of chi running, which is, you know, hitting your foot in the right place, leaning forward, body sensing, and breathing. Those are yeah. the main four components of, four. of yeah. And so and, how does somebody yeah. learn how to breathe? Uh, pretty simple. I mean, you, you know, there's breathing techniques taught in most yoga classes, you know? Yeah. Belly breathing. Yeah. Belly breathing is pretty simple. You can look up, look it up online. How do I belly breathe? You can even look up online, how do I nose breathe? And the it's really, really important that I think that runners learn to nose breathe. And here's why. It's because when you nose breathe, it creates a smaller air passage that the air going into your lungs has to pass through. And if you study physics at all, that's the, um, there's a rule called the Venturi effect. When a gas has to go through a very small orifice to go into another chamber, it speeds up when it goes through that narrow thing. You know, you've seen it, you know, in, you know, in a garden hose, you know, you narrow it down, it squirts farther because there's more pressure coming through. And so when you nose breathe, it increases the velocity of the air entering your lungs and that forces it further down into where it's more useful, which is the bottom of your lungs. Okay, so that's nose breathing. If you mouth breathe, you essentially own the air only goes into your upper chest and it doesn't get as much oxygen exchange but the deeper reason why you nose breathe or mouth breathe is if you nose breathe it sets up your nervous system to fire the parasympathetic nervous system which is calming relaxing hormones released and if you mouth breathe it's fight or flight and then you get cortisol and adrenaline cruising through your body and that is a wipeout, you know? It's fine if you got go it. catch a bus, but if you're out there for an hour, you don't want to be mouth breathing and, and forcing your body into fight or flight for an hour. Nah, nah, that's a waste of that's energy. It's very interesting. I mean, that helps you with, with everything. I mean, that everything. nose breathing everything. helps you with everything because you don't want that cortisol and stress in any area of your life. So if you exactly. focus on keeping your mouth shut. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so if you're not your nose, nose. you're going yeah. into a sales meeting with a bunch of investors, keep your mouth shut. <laughs> you know, let them do the talking. Do a little more listening. And and also breathing through your nose is just gonna make you a very calm person in the midst of like a sales meeting and they're gonna go, Whoa, this guy's got his head on straight. He doesn't seem to be flustered by much of anything. You know? What about when you That's exhale? Should you exhale from your nose as well? Do you, I don't do you like seal it I shut? Exhale oh. from my mouth. Yeah, okay. there's a there's a very scientific reason for that one is that, you know, when you inhale through your nose, the air passes over these the passages in your upper palate, like just beneath your sinuses. Well, that's an area of your body that produces uh, nitric, nitric oxide. It's a gas and it's a vasodilator. It's not nitrous oxide or we'd all be going around happy, you know. But <laughs> nitric oxide is a vasodilator, which means it makes your blood vessels expand and blood flow them be much easier through blood vessels. So the more of that gas you breathe in, the better effect it has on your circulation, right? And so your heart doesn't have to work as hard. So you don't have to breathe as hard. 
um, if you breathe in, um, so if I breathe out through my nose and I lose about half of that. But if oh, I breathe wow. in through my nose and out through my mouth, it bypasses my sinuses and I can breathe out through my mouth, which is fine, doesn't hurt me. And, uh, and so I just keep this cyclical breath going in through my nose, out through my mouth, in through my nose, out through my mouth, and it works. Wow, yeah. that is it's that really is big well. insight. That's big insight for people that are running because most people yeah. I see them panting, like <laughs> yeah, kind of like a dog almost. Yeah. yeah, and so they got all this adrenaline going, and then they feel the crash, right? You know, adrenaline doesn't last forever, <laughs> and eventually yeah. turns on the turns south on you, and it wipes you out when it you know. So yeah, you keep it's that slow drip method of nice pure oxygen coming in all the time rather than all the hormones. What do you think about what do you think about these gels? They say after forty five minutes all your all your stores of calories and your glycogen or whatever, all that gets used yeah. after forty five minutes of running. So do you recommend using gels at forty five minute mark? Um well here's there's I'll put a caveat onto that. If you're an inefficient runner, yeah, 45 minutes, you've got maybe an hour and a half at the most to go through your glycogen. That's if you're a, a, not an efficient runner. If you're an efficient runner, you could stretch that glycogen a long way because you're basically not firing many muscles, right? If I'm really That's relaxing. That's what it is. Got it. If yeah. you're using all your muscle power, then it uses up the glycogen. But if you're not using muscle no. power, no glycogen is being used. Right, right. It's like going yeah. for a walk. You're a Prius. <laughs> you know? You're recharging on the downhills, and you're not even using any gas on the uphills. And so, you know, uh, the you're only Prius, muscles right. you're really, yeah, you're the only muscles you're really using are the muscles, your your abdominal muscles, your core muscles, which help you to maintain a forward fall. That's it. There's no reason to use all these other muscles. You start bringing in some if you want to run really fast or if you want to run up a hill. But generally speaking, you don't need to use many muscles to run. And so when I run with people, if I'm running on, let's say, just a flat or rolling course, um, I mean, I live in North Carolina. It's pretty humid and hot here. People I'm running with will be like sweating bullets. They'll be just like dripping wet after you know hour and a half. My T-shirt's dry. What am I doing differently? You know, it's it's pretty different scene. I'm not working as hard. I'm not breathing as hard. I'm not burning as much fuel. I'm not going through as much water. You know, it's a whole different ball game. And so, but you're you know, also not losing as much calories. You're also not losing as much weight, right? Exactly. Now that's an interesting point because you're not burning as many calories. People always ask me, well, gosh, how can I manage my weight if I'm not burning as much calories? Well, I stick with my first answer. <laughs> Change how you eat. Stop eating bread, right. Yeah, stop eating yeah. junk. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so you see, you start to see there's a whole picture to it. It's not just the technique. It's not just the diet. It's not just the breathing. You know, it has to, when it all happens together, man, you are like, Holy bomb proof, you know. I mean, it, it works let's talk so about well. walking. Let's talk about chi walking. How is chi walking sure. different than chi running? All the internal focuses are the same. 
you need to pay attention to how you hold your arms, how you swing them, how your shoulders, you need to watch your posture, how your foot strikes the ground, um, all of that stuff. But with walking, you never leave the ground, right? So if you're in a walking race, you leave the ground, you're disqualified, okay? You don't ever leave the ground when you walk. There's always contact with the ground. So what that means is that, so the, the difference between chi running and chi walking is that with uh, chi walking, as you walk faster, you step faster, but you don't really significantly increase your stride length. You just increase your cadence so that you walk faster. If you increase your stride length too much when you're walking, like they used to do with power walking, I can't tell yeah. you how many people I had the fixed injuries from power walking because they start reaching further and further with their leg. Well, remember what I said, anytime your foot lands in front of your center of mass, you're going to be you're putting stopping. the brakes on. So the faster they tried to walk with a long stride, the more impact they encountered. And so I would rather have people run with a shorter or walk with a shorter stride, a manageable stride, and just uh, have them increase their cadence. And you do that by increasing the speed of your arm swing. And so uh, um, that's what the walking is. And, you know, I can, I've really practiced my walking because I have in the past traveled a ton. And uh, when I'm going through airports, you know, I'm walking really fast and I can walk, you know, these people are on the conveyor belt. I never <laughs> take the conveyor belt. I always take the open lane in the middle and I still beat them to the other end and I'm walking, you know. And, and you're not overextending. Not at all. Not at all. So, you know, there are ways. So the walking is like, um, there's some adjustments you make because the physics of walking is different than the physics of running. With running, you leave the ground. So when you land, um, uh, you land, you know, with your foot close to underneath your center of mass. With walking, it's hard to land without your foot going a little bit in front of your center of mass. And mm -hmm. so, but with walking, you just need to make sure that when you walk, that your front leg never straightens. And anybody who's listening to your podcast and goes out and tries to walk, I challenge them to walk in a way where that front knee is always bent. That's a challenge. Because hmm. everybody locks their leg when they- I never even notice if I, if I yeah. lock my leg or not. You probably do. 99% hmm. of people re overreach with that leg. But it changes, like I said, it changes the physics. If you walk and your whole body is just upright, then you're not taking advantage of any kind of uh, pull of assist from gravity. And, uh, and you're also putting the brakes on. So yeah, shorten your you, stride. Yeah, go ahead. Shorten your stride and make sure that you don't, that you don't, that you don't lock your leg on the outside. How do you improve yeah, your posture in general? Like, because you mentioned leaning forward, so I'm picturing a bunch of old people hunchback while they're running. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I will do one correction. I don't use, after all these years, I no longer use the word lean. Because when I use the word lean, I'd rather, I'd rather use the word fall, like falling forward. Ooh, I if like I that. use the word lean, if you were to stand up in front of your desk right now, and I said, okay, I want you to lean forward. The very first, you can try it. I mean, the audience can't see you doing it, but you could try it. If you're standing up really straight and I say, I want you to lean forward. The first thing that happens is your lower leg muscles will fire. 
to keep you from falling over forward, okay? That's work that those muscles don't really need to be doing. But if I say, I want you to fall forward, instead of lean, I want you just to fall forward, you'll fall forward. And that your legs won't want to stop you from that. They won't want to hold a certain angle or anything like that. You're, it forces you into learning balance is what it does. If you lean, balance. you don't need to learn balance because you just get strong calves and strong ankles, but then you end up giving calf pulls, Achilles tendon problems, all of that. But if I tell you to fall, then you actually allow yourself the assist of gravity. But you got to have faith to fall. Faith, yeah. Faith. Yeah, and a lot of people that are adults are like, you know what? I'm done with falling. <laughs> I'm over that. <laughs> and so they end up moving in a very upright position and that's to their detriment. You got to keep a little bit of that that flair for falling forward, you know. If you don't fall forward, you'll fail. Yes, eventually. You don't, you don't fall, you'll fail. <laughs> yeah. You got to fall and then catch yourself on the fall. Fall and catch yourself yeah. on the fall. How yeah. how much then, do you lift your leg behind you when you're when you're doing your stride? Do you recommend the person like lister because some people do like a butt kick almost when they run it's really much, strange yeah yeah that's fine if you're a sprinter but you don't need to be doing that you know what what i do is everything like that rule of gradual progress that means everything is incremental according to the needs of the situation so if i'm jogging my heels don't come up very high if i'm doing a training run my heels come up a little higher if I'm doing race pace, my heels will come up even higher. If I'm sprinting, my heels will come up way high and it'll be looking like butt kicks. Right. So which height of my uh, feet yeah. Uh, yeah. is the most comfortable given the speed that I'm going? Because mm. if your feet are swinging too low, it's going to um, slow down your cadence and it's going to be harder to swing your legs. You have to use muscles to swing your legs. But there's this nice little balance point as a sweet spot where it's just the right amount for the speed you're going. And if your legs are relaxed, they will naturally fall into the right amount of lift. Yeah. Do you ever see people that their legs are like going sideways? They're like throwing one leg to the left and the other leg to the right yeah. and they're running like that. What does that mean? Um, usually means there's a muscle imbalance. You know, mm. uh, generally speaking, and that takes some physical therapy to correct that. You, you know, um, I tell people, you know, with legs that are really wanky like that, I just tell them, pretend you're riding on a on a road bike that has your toes are clipped into the pedal. Mm. You know, really you feel can't go to that the left. clean symmetry of moving your foot right over the other and. Um, yeah, and there's many people, many, many people who have what I call gas pedal syndrome, where their right foot flares out. That's because their whole life they've had their heel underneath the brake, and to hit the gas, their foot goes to the right. To hit the brake, their foot goes upright and back and forth. But for most of the time they're driving, that adductor on their right leg is is relaxed. And so it trains that muscle to be more relaxed than not. 
And when they go out to run, that right foot turns out. So you need to strengthen that ability to rotate that right leg immediately, and then, then you're good. So how do you get somebody to point that foot forward, you know? So there's all kinds of tricks for getting them to do, to build that adductor muscle that will hold their leg straight. You know, I don't just wow. tell people to turn their ankle in because that's a very small muscle. Uh, but you want to do it with the big muscles closer to your core. Yeah. Cool. Do you recommend people do squats and um, and sitting? What's that thing where people like low sitting on their, on like primal squats? Do you recommend that, like um, to open up your hips? Uh, I do recommend opening up your hips, but I wouldn't say squats per se. Uh, um, they're tricky, you know, because whenever you squat, you want to make sure your knees never go in front of your toes. Yeah. You, know, you really want to squat correctly. Um, but, but like, again, you know, it, there's other ways to open up your hips. You know, in Tai Chi, we have all kinds of loosening exercises where you're, you know, rotating your legs and um, everything else. But squats, you know, for people who are, are, you know, squatting against a wall or something like that, you know, that, that builds, builds up your quads. And then you just got more weight to haul around. Why would I want yeah. big quads? You know? Why would you want big quads if you're a cheetah? Uh, <laughs> exactly. exactly right yeah you mentioned the cheetah spine like you could see that its strengths come from its spine because their legs are tiny you know like that that's powerful oh yeah look at the canyons thing, they got the skinniest legs out there i mean you know, yeah you mentioned that bicycle riding are bad for gymnasts and for runners potentially what do you think about that like bicycle riding road bike riding like for people that are doing triathlon yeah, um, the problem with it is if you don't, it's bicycling itself isn't bad for running, but it is bad if you don't do running and you focus mainly on bicycle riding because it shortens your hip flexors. Your hip flexors never get to go into a full extension like they do with uh, running, okay? Mm. So if you only move your hip joint or your hip flexor, your psoas in a very small range of motion because you're on a bike, you're sitting and then your knee comes up higher and then it goes back to a sitting position, then it comes up higher. You never get full extension. So when you go to run, you run kind of hunched over because your hip flexors, you got this really so short kind of choppy stride and your the stride and chi running lengthens behind you, not in front of you because you want to stay ahead of your feet. So you know, you want this really nice long rear stride like the Kenyans, you know, um, they winning everything for a reason because their technique is just spot on built for the human body. And so, uh, but if you're riding a bike your whole life and you've got those short little hip flexors, uh, it's going to be hard to accomplish a long stride. And that means you have to turn your legs over faster. That means you have to use more leg muscles to do that. Do you recommend kneeling on one foot to lengthen your hip flexor and then taking it back a little bit? That that movement? can help. Yeah, that can help. Yeah, hurdler stretch, they call it, or something like that. Yeah. Cool. Well, this was really insightful. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk about your life's work, chi running and chi walking. Yeah. If anybody's listening to this, go buy the book on Amazon and find yeah. an instructor. Yeah, you can find an instructor by going to um, chirunning.com. 
chirunning.com. And one thing that I will say is that I, you know, I've been teaching people for so long, I finally figured out a good way for people to learn if they don't necessarily have access to an instructor. And that's what I call the Chi Running School. And it's an online subscription. And once a week, you get a lesson. And I've got once a week lessons for two years. So it's a lot of lessons. And but the, but you just study that one lesson for a whole week. And then the next week, you get delivered a new one, you just study that for one week. But it's wow. very good way to train your neural transmitters when you want to learn how to move your body differently repetition is king anything mm -hmm. you want to learn you got to repeat it a lot and this is a really good way for people not to have to think you know me talking about all this stuff to you it sounds like there's a million things to do a lot to remember very complex but if you just learn one little tiny piece at a time that's what i call gradual progress too you know I love it. I love it. And where do people sign up for the school? Also on chirunning.com? Yeah, chirunning.com. Just look up the Chi Running School. Excellent. There's a menu bar across the top. It says training. You click on training and then it'll pop up there. Excellent. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on this. And we'll, well talk again soon. Good luck with soon. your running, Joe. I mean, sounds thank like you. You're, you're I wanted to do my first marathon. Yeah, I wanted to do my first marathon this year. Um, and oh, they good. canceled the New York City Marathon, but oh, I may still run a virtual one. Yeah, yeah, or or one that's that's a real distance, but not a real yeah. race. Yeah, yeah, that's totally doable. And and where do you live? I live in in Brooklyn. Oh, in Brooklyn. So yeah, yeah. there's hey two laps around Central Park, and you've got it. Yeah, yeah. Four laps. I Central guess Park is, is beautiful. Yeah, it's a nice place. It's rolly and it's spread out, and you know, nice yeah. place if you're in. Yeah, good luck with it. I hope you can do it. Let me know if you do. Thank you. I definitely will. This episode of the Breakthrough Maze is brought to you by Ajax Union, a digital marketing agency based in Brooklyn, New York. Ajax Union's core focus is to support B2B companies to generate better leads, nurture those leads from the top of the funnel to the bottom line. Visit www.ajaxunion.com to learn more about our amazing offering. Thanks for listening to The Breakthrough Maze, hosted by Joe Applebaum. We hope that by listening to the journey of a stranger, you've become inspired to want a little more freedom, a little more power, and a little more vitality. To find out more about Joe Applebaum or this incredible public coaching session, go to www.joeapplebaum.com. Also, head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. Help make it possible for more people to benefit from this free coaching. And leave a comment describing what you got out of this episode.